Mighty God in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you this morning, to be together as a family, the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you'll fill our hearts right now with peace, with joy, allow us to celebrate eternity together right now, Father. I pray that you'll help us to accept your vision for how you describe us, God, as more than conquerors. Help us to accept that. Help us to understand that as disciples, to be totally holy and righteous in your eyes, all we have to do is confess our sin, God, and we're made new. Help us to be excited about your promises, to be filled with gratitude just to be in your kingdom, Father. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that makes us new every day, that refines us. Thank you for the hope that we have that one day we won't be bonded by suffering of any kind. There'll be no more pain. There'll be nothing like that, Father. Just jubilant celebration, Father. God, I pray that we can start thinking like that even now. Help us to rejoice in the love that we get to share with one another and the relationships. Father, I've been so moved just by the love and the friendships that I've had over the years just to see people, Father, here and to embrace my brothers and sisters with acceptance and joy, God. Thank you. Father, I pray that today you'll, uh, you'll help everybody leave here with a sense of purpose, with some tools, help everybody to leave here confident in you. Uh, and I pray that you'll help people to leave here with hope, knowing that there is a way to have peace and there is a way to find freedom from our minds and from our bodies. God, we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, originally, this class, uh, my wife and I and Dr. Brian Perkins and Shan Perkins were going to be teaching this class together. You'll notice that my wife is not here, but I have uh, a great helper here, my son Colin. And uh, so I, I just want to say this right now. Um, I'm so grateful for this class. I think it's in keeping with the theme, it's about time. We have more classes like this. And it's such a broad topic, isn't it? We talk about, you know, mental and emotional wellness. Uh, but you notice, again, my wife's not here. Um, last night, or two nights ago, her mother passed away, and she's dealing with some of the logistics behind that. I just say that to say, she, you know what? We're both doing great. We were rejoicing this morning. We have a lot of peace with that. It had been a long journey. She was going through a lot of suffering, and you know what? We, we, God answered our prayers to release her from that. Amen? And so... We appreciate any and all prayers. That's a powerful thing. Um, again, this is a robust topic, and it's doubtful that we can touch on everything. Our goal for this class is just to give you guys some tools and some scriptural inspiration uh, to be able to walk away and use those tools. It's a relevant topic, and I think as a church, we, uh, we're slow adopters. You know, as a church, we're slow to understand a lot of these things. Um, mental and, and emotional wellness is one of those things that uh, we're just now understanding more and more and more about. And this gives me a lot of hope and excitement because I know that whatever disposition you're dealing with or friends and family, people in your Bible talk are dealing with it, there is a solution. It's just a matter of time. Um... There's lots of resources over the years that I've learned personally. If, if you were to have the opportunity just to look at my personal library, I, I'm just, I'm weird like that. I like self-help books. I'm always learning more about myself. I think this is a journey for all of us. I have my bachelor's in psychology. Um, I got training as a uh, faster EFT therapist. And um, it's great, but there's so many other tools that I've been discovering over the years that are very, very helpful in mental and emotional management. This is a big thing. There's a quote that uh, I always thought was funny from John Wayne. It says, life's hard. It's harder when you're stupid. But I think as disciples, when we say yes to following Jesus, we have to understand our Lord was a man of many sorrows. And there's a lot that comes along with following Jesus, doesn't it? Um, you know, it's funny, even as ministers, sometimes we, 
we don't acknowledge enough how hard it is emotionally to be a disciple. You know, we're called just to love the lost and to give our, our very best of it. And then people just walk out of our lives in, in and out constantly. And that, that leaves scars. And that's, you know what, that's the way it should be in regards to if you're really giving your heart. I don't want any disciple to ever feel like you have to harden your heart to make it in the kingdom of God. That is not righteous. Jesus was a man of many sorrows, and he earned it, and uh, he earned those sorrows by loving us. And so let us not harden our hearts. But the key is to manage it. Jesus was able to manage his stress and his emotions in a really godly way. So we got to keep on learning about ourselves and how the mind works and how people overcome. If we do that for ourselves, we're able to be better disciple makers as well. This is such a relevant topic. We need to get rid of the stigmas when we talk about mental illness and emotional disorders. Honestly, in the church, we should feel free to, to talk about these things. It is the, the kingdom of God. And the more that we're able to communicate discreetly and to some extent openly that we're struggling with things, the, the better people will be able to help you. Okay? It's hard as a parent to admit sometimes that our children have things going on. It, it can be challenging. But the longer we sort of delay that, it, it, we can't be afraid. We can't give in to fear. We can be crippling them from being in environments where they can learn and focusing on things that will help them succeed in life. Um, you know, the earlier we're able to diagnose things, uh, the better. I actually had a campus student years and years ago who, to me, was very obvious that he had some kind, he was on the spectrum, some form of autism, and I would ask him, and he would constantly deny it. And then, and then I spent some time one-on-one -on -one with him, and he said, yeah, my parents, my parents said that I was autistic a long time ago, but I grew out of it. <laughs> and I said, you know, that's not something that you grew out of. You know, and I said, it's not something to be ashamed of either. Because he was doing excellent in school. Excellent in school. He was brilliant. And it's not a disability. Um, and, I, and I never let anyone treat him like that. But, you know, that just is, a, it, it goes to show how sometimes we can let our own shame and fear hold people back. We really have to talk about this. There's all kinds of things I just want to kind of mention here. There's mood disorders, bipolar, depression, um, there's schizophrenia, multiple personality disorders, general delusions, um, there's personality disorders, antisocial personality disorders, paranoia disorder, um, ADD, ADHD, I'm pretty sure I have that. I've managed it this long with a lot of spankings and coffee and... Say what you want. I have a little bit of OCD. That's okay. I, my, house, my house can be clean in some ways and not so clean in others. I definitely have post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, my dad moved around all the time. I've moved around twice as much in the ministry. I frequently wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know where I am, and I can have you know a little bit of uh, weirdness about that, walking into walls and things. PTSD comes from trauma, major life changes, military families, Abuse victims have it. There's anxiety disorders, phobias, impulse control and addiction disorders. There's disassociative disorders and se sexual gender identity disorders. One out of four people in America has one of these. So take a look around. That's a lot of people in this room. Okay? And that's all right. We got to get rid of this. Not talking about it is not an option. That's right. And uh, if you're not willing to talk about it, I will say this. As a minister, I know how this affects people. It is almost near impossible. If we're unwilling to manage these things, it will manage you. I promise. And, and I have many sorrows in my heart seeing people unwilling to manage it because of pride, because of all kinds of... There is a solution. If the solution that you're participating in right now isn't working for you, try another one. There is a solution. 
and all these things, you can still have them and be incredible disciples of Jesus. I know a lot of people in the full-time ministry that have some or multiple forms of these things. It's all right. We have to be willing to work with it. All of these, now keep this in mind, no one's born like that. Okay? Stress and traumas produce these things. Stress and traumas produce and keep these things alive and active. So we have to learn how to handle the traumas and manage our stress in a righteous way. Identifying these things is key to the church. If you let people know that you have some of these things, it helps them to understand not to treat you the same as everybody else. And that doesn't change the standards in the Bible. Go to Luke 13 for me real quick. And I want to talk about this principle here. Luke 13. Again, a very relevant question. In verse 23, it says, Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. This is one of the fairest standards of equality I have ever heard. Fairness. Now, I want to talk about this. I've never been accused of being soft on the scriptures or anything like that. If you know me personally, you know that's not true. If you're able-minded and able-bodied, your every effort is a lot. And Jesus expects that from you. If you have something going on that is going to keep your every effort from looking different, then your every effort looks different. Can I say that? Yes. Your every effort looks different. I assure you, your every effort, if you've been a disciple a long time, at 19, looks very different at 42. Even age plays a role in that. Your physical effort looks very different at 42 than 19. Yes. Certainly, your... 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 Your mental, emotional effort and energy as well is going to look different. Add a couple children on top of that. Your level of productivity is different. It doesn't mean you're not a sold out disciple. So I want to talk about this principle. All right. Matthew 28 hasn't changed. That's still our mission. How Jesus defines who a disciple is hasn't changed. Luke 9, deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. But we have to understand that if, we, if an individual is struggling with any of these disorders, you know, let's say somebody's struggling with anxiety disorders and they're told in the church culture, no, you got to go on double dates. If you're asked, you just got to do it. You know? No, you don't. That's not in the Bible. Matter of fact, dating itself is not in the Bible, okay? There's some brothers, I, hey, I, I wouldn't want them to take me on a date either. You know what? That's okay. That's all right. But I think sometimes, I know for a fact in the church, we treated everybody the same as if you're fully functional. You're a fully operational battle station. You know what I'm saying? Everybody is not the same. Your children's effort and, and intellectual understanding is not the same as yours. In the same way, we have to treat people with equality and understanding. Sometimes new moms of, uh, that have multiple children, their every effort, honestly, is just making it to church and calling you back. That's their every effort. Their every effort. Just to be able to read a couple verses and pray. That's their every effort. And if you think that Jesus didn't treat people like that, you're mistaken. You know, it says about Jesus in Matthew 12 and verse 20. A bruised reed he would not break. A smoldering wick he would not snuff out. Until he has brought justice through victory in his name, the nations will put their hope. So that's Isaiah talking about Jesus there. Jesus treated people that were broken and wounded with care, not intensity, not like everybody else, with care. In fact, 
There are several examples in the New Testament where people were so broken and wounded, he had to heal them and he sent them home and, and they wanted to follow him. But he sent them home because they weren't quite ready yet. There needed to be some more reconciliation to happen. And I'm sure they followed him later because they were overwhelmed with his power and his love. Even partnership, partnership is vital to meeting people where they're at in our fellowship. People need partnership, walking with them and meeting them where they are at to help them grow and get stronger. If you have some of the things I mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean you're going to have it forever. You can, you can get stronger and you can overcome. I promise you, I promise you. Several examples of this, even in the New Testament. I, I can't help but think of Elijah and Elisha. Man, all the epic things Elijah did. He, he called down fire from heaven. Many incredible victories. He stood by himself in the face of hundreds of soldiers. By himself. No ounce of fear. And just by the threats of a queen. He didn't even see her face to face. Just by the mere threat, for some reason, he was paralyzed by fear. He wasn't just paralyzed by fear. He went to a tree in the middle of the desert and begged God to die. We got words for that today. He struggled with some anxiety disorder. You know, he was severely depressed. He didn't even want to leave. God had to send an angel to touch him twice. To give him the strength just to stand. This is one of the greatest prophets the world has ever known. Let's talk about treating people with care. We all need partnership. So what does he do? Well, God sends Elijah on a very long prayer walk just to get his mind right. And to get him moving again. That was his every effort. He didn't send him on a journey. He just says, man, go to this mountain. He went to the mountain and, and God didn't even tell him what exactly he was looking for. And he didn't really find anything. He just sent him on a mission, go walk and talk. <laughs> just let's get that going. And then come on back. So he walked all this way in the desert. And then he sends, you know, he sends him Elisha. He needed him. Elijah needed Elisha to remind him who he was again. And Elisha benefited when Elijah got his faith back. He benefited. They both benefited. We see this in 1 Timothy as well. It's all about this. Paul is breathing life and boldness and faith and courage into Timothy. Timothy definitely struggled with some fears and anxieties as a young leader. And, and we know in the church there's a lot of traumas that can happen. People fall away. There's deaths. There's kind of normal life trauma. But then there's the trauma even in the church. But you got to lead through that. It ain't over until Jesus says it's over. Let's rejoice. But you don't have to have a perfect life. There's something to rejoice in today. If it's just that good food you ate, then rejoice. If it was a great hug, then rejoice. If your heart got moved from a song, then rejoice. Our destiny is in heaven. But Paul says some, some strong things to Timothy. Don't let anyone look down on you. Why? Because he let people look down on him. He said, you need to be a great example in everything. And everything. And people will follow you. Partnership is so key. The Luke 13 passage, there's sort of two extremes I just want to talk about in, in, in making every effort. On the one hand, you know, there's being tolerant due to ignorance. In the church, a lot of people can be very ignorant about mental illness. Okay? I, that's no judgment there. I'm not trying to put anybody down. But it's something we don't understand very well. Right. And then there's kind of uh, being too tolerant due to ignorance. Right. So on the one hand, we need to be not treat everybody, people that are weaker, as if they're strong. We talked about that. Yeah. On the other hand, right, on the other hand, there are folks that uh, they use the, their mental illness and their disposition to be unrighteous. Yeah. And there is a very big difference between somebody struggling with a mental illness and a disorder and somebody that's just choosing to be faithless right. and somebody choosing to be rebellious and flat out mean and mean-spirited towards other disciples. Yeah. Now that really makes me indignant 
I gotta be honest with you. When I see good-hearted disciples being taken advantage of and abused because people are just mad, or they, you know, that we're not punching bags. We take enough from the world. We don't need to do that to one another. It's unacceptable. Not acceptable at all. We cannot allow uh, there to be a, a growing increase of deceit, isolation. Uh, we can't allow unwholesome talk and behavior, divisiveness. Uh, we can't allow, you know, you can be suffering from really serious depression, but you still got to communicate. You can't not communicate for months and months on end and just say it's the depression. That's not, no, it's not, that's not the depression. That's just being lazy and not managing it. Can I say, because if you're that depressed, you stop managing it. Remember what I said. Remember what I said. If you don't manage it, what's going to happen? It's going to manage you right out, right out of the kingdom, I promise you. No exceptions. There is so much power in the body of Christ. There's so much power in the Holy Spirit. Consider these passages. As we fight to be patient and understand one another, there's got to be still good fruit even in your weak disposition. Philippians 1, verse 27, it says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Disorders are not an excuse. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of Christ. We understand your every effort looks different. And, I, and that's okay, I accept that. And we can help you. But there's not a reason to sin against each other. Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have to help each other, and you have to let people in your life. If you're depressed, and your every effort is just picking up the phone and let somebody go to you, amen! You cannot shut people out. As soon as you decide to start shutting people out, you've decided to not be a functional part of the body of Christ. Be humble. You need help. We all need help. And I've learned that there's lots of solutions out there. There's more that we haven't even discovered yet. And I rejoice. I've learned a lot of tools over the years. NLP, Faster EFT, meditation. There's a lot of things out there. But I've seen people give way to much, much criticism in their, in their disorder and faithlessness. We have to rebuke that. Because the faithlessness, too, will spread. It will kill you spiritually. It is unacceptable. We have to meet people where they're at. I want to talk just about a few practicals here, okay? we got to, first off, just identi uh, identify the stressors in our lives. What is producing so much stress in your life? Because if you can't identify it, you can't manage it. you got to be able to identify it and really be honest with yourself. What's going on? And we have also have to accept that, you know, if we're really stressed and we're depressed or you're angry, whatever your disposition is, you are spreading that in your entire household. Yeah. You're not the only one that feels it. Yeah. It is contagious. Yeah. Yeah. They feel your tension. They feel your unresolved frustration. All of that. It's not just words, but it comes through in actions. It comes through in emotions and body language. This stuff, it can be very toxic. So we have to identify it. We gotta, if there's sin there too, we have to identify that. Look for solutions. Secondly, we got to manage it. We got to manage the stress and emotional triggers every day. Jesus even says, look, don't worry about tomorrow. Today is enough. They worry about today. Okay? We got to find righteous ways to de-stress. You got to reassess your routine. If you're a teen and you're not in control of your schedule, it's in control of you. Routine is good. Routine helps us to manage our stress. We've got to get outside and get more sunlight. That helps too. Now this is a huge one. Time alone to meditate and pray. I cannot emphasize that enough. 
Jesus himself did it every day. Luke, Luke 5, verse 15, it says he often withdrew to lowly places to pray because he was always around demanding crowds and disciples. That was his habit. That should be our habit. I'm concerned about this because even as a church, you look at your church calendar. Go ahead and take a look at it. Plus, you got your own calendar in there. And then when you get, you got kids. And then you and your wife are entertaining yourselves right before, right in the bed and you do it again and again. Seven days straight. Where's the time to process? Where's the time to reflect? There's no peace because you don't have it. You're not giving yourself any time for peace. How can you experience gratitude if you can't even take time to think? You have to do this. Use positive music without words. Go somewhere by yourself. you got to learn to make peace and release negative thoughts and experiences throughout the day and forgive people. You have to learn to understand the power of reconciliation. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ. There are people that have sinned against you that you have not forgiven. And you are carrying the penalty for that around in your mind and in your heart. This happened to me the other day. I'm I'm wrapping it up here. Another campus guy that I helped, I poured my love, my heart, my time into him. He left. And I was angry. I was unrighteously angry. And I said things to him that were wrong. I didn't curse. Wow, look at me. I'm so righteous. But I told him, you're not welcome to ever come back. I don't want to see your face again. And if I do, you're not going to like it. And I started to realize, did I just put a wall up there where I wasn't? That's not my job to put that wall up there. And I knew I wasn't in a good way. And then I realized it wasn't just that person. It was every guy that I had helped. There's a compounding effect that I hadn't reconciled. And so I started making a list. Everybody that ever fell away, I was like, you know what, I'm going to call. I've, I've sinned against you. Called them all. Messaged them. I'm sorry. I've said things. I've sinned against you. And it has opened up lots of doors. The communication is going again. And, and I praise God for that. We got we to gotta reconcile. We got to reconcile. Lastly, we got to have a Sabbath. You got to give yourself a Sabbath. The disciples had them, even though from time to time they worked on the Sabbath, they still kept it most of the time. The scriptures say that Jesus kept it. Do you have one? Are you greater than your Lord? You realize the Sabbath is the third commandment out of the Ten Commandments. God is very serious about that, about us recovering and spending time with him. We're commanded to rest from work and spend time with our God only. We got to do that. And if even putting out all these things into practice, if you have to go seek some professional help, some, some guidance outside of the church, then go do it. That's part of you making every effort. That's part of you managing it. Now, not all counselors are, are, are created equal. Okay, go to a Christian counselor. I, I, I've literally laughed in some counselor's face when I, earlier on in life. And I wasn't a disciple. I was like, you have no idea what you're doing. They're like, you know, I have anger management issues and things like that. And like, Let's talk about your mom and some sexual things. And I was like, what kind of Freudian stuff is this? Like, what are you talking about? I'm insulted. Like, you should be fired. That's really inappropriate. So you got to be selective in who you let help you. I've talked to a lot of brothers and said, yeah, I'm going to this counselor. And they get worse. They get worse. They're not all created equal. Get some advice. And... Get with people that really, really help you. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys so much. So um, we wanted to come in just to share. Uh, just to let you know, again, I, I'm Dr. Brian Perkins. This is my wife, Shan. Hi. Um, I actually got my degree in theology. Uh, but what's interesting is this topic of a mis- uh, mental and emotional health is a very huge thing now mm-hmm. uh, in seminary, and many people are going to get their degree in that. Actually, Shan went back and she got her master's degree in Christian counseling. Yes. And um, it was one of those things that everybody's like, we need more of those. Yes. So I, I, we just wanted to share um, from a standpoint of trying to understand ma- emotional management yes. and then some tools 
to help that we can use to help one another. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, yes. As my husband said, basically, what made me decide to go back to school because what I felt was I was converted to the campus ministry, was trained, raised up on how to disciple people. That's awesome. I don't ever want to take that away. What I realized later on in life that I didn't have all the skills or the tools equipped to help the people that God had placed in my life. What I realized is that when we converting all types of people, people come from different backgrounds, different lifestyles, you know, whatever it may be. And so I felt the need to go back to school just to get more education. Do I have all the answers? Absolutely not. I am not a doctor, so just to want to put it out there, I can't prescribe you medication, or am I going to diagnose you today? I just want to put that out there as a claimer or disclaimer. That is not our goal here. It's just to give you some tools, because I feel like it's so vitally important when we're helping people um, become Christians that we also help them spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. So that's what we're just going to discuss. And we're going to try to go as much as quick as possible with the time we have. We won't be able to share everything, but we're going to share as much as we can in the time that we have. All right, so one of the things that we have seen um, in the years of being involved in the ministry is at the list that uh, Rob list, listed out before, I believe I've seen just about all of those yes. things. Yes. I've seen people with various levels of depression, yes. with various levels of cognitive disability, mm-hmm. or with various levels of mental, uh, mental health. Yes. This, and here's the thing. So for me personally, this is a very real thing. Yes. Yes. There are some situations that there is a physiological issue where medication is prescribed and in situations like that the medication must be adhered to you know there's such a weird brother that we uh converted awesome brother he did fantastic for years Mm -hmm. and then somehow he had had a trauma in his life uh when he had a death and he got he got it in his mind that he no longer needed his medication and he became a different person it destroyed him and i'll never forget that because i felt helpless Mm -hmm. like this is your, there's something physically wrong here. It's not that you're wrong, but you absolutely need the medication that is prescribed to you. Yeah. There are other situations that are traumas, which also Rob, Rob talked about. Maybe that might be a physiological issue, but there is a serious situation that must be addressed. Yeah. In both situations, it's important that we understand that we have to learn how to manage our, the emotional stress and how to manage ourselves and our health mentally. And so our focus particularly is emotional management. And what could that be? If you need a definition, it's the ability to realize, readily accept, as well as successfully control feelings in oneself and sometimes others. Um, I just want to put it out there. I totally believe that God's word faith, everything supersedes everything. God can can heal all diseases, all situations. And we have to make sure that we do both of them together. It's so important as disciples that we don't say this one is over the other. No, we have to make sure that they work hand in hand. Um, And is emotions, no, absolutely. As Rob referred to over in 1 Kings, if you need the exact scripture, 1 Kings 19, 1 through 10, you saw Elijah. He went through a lot of with uh, many wars and even battles, even Jezebel, that would, you know, stress anybody out. Um, But he was emotionally exhausted. And the only way for him to manage manage it was to listen to God's word, to listen to God's voice. And we've got to make sure that we do that. When God is saying, take care of yourself, he's just not only saying spiritually, but he's talking about emotionally, mentally, physically, or whatever it means, financially. And so we've got to remember to make sure that we do that and so that's how we know that we're, we're in a good place when we're managing it right. and not just letting it take control of us right amen so just want to share a little bit about this there's some tools that you can have uh both to learn to manage yourself but also to learn to help others whether they're your children or there's people in your life um you know there there's people who have anger issues in the bible like you know moses has some anger issues that hurt him so did Jonah. Some people have some uh, really depressive uh, issues like Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Uh, what's important to understand is that we can train some, some, very, some, some skills to help deal with emotional stress. The first thing is, is, is expression. Just, moving, just, just building on the point that Rob said. It's important that people learn how to express what they're feeling internally. We have to learn how to say more than, I don't know, I'm not sure, or I just can't. We have to give 
And one thing we need to do is we, we need to be given or we have to give our kids and people that we're working with the words to adequately express what they are feeling. If they're feeling like, I just feel weak right now, or I feel tired, or emotionally I feel drained, but to exp that's the first step. If we understand what's going on with you, it helps us to be able to help and to be able to operate with you. The scripture says in Proverbs 10, 23, that a fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. And for us to learn, to us to, we have to learn how to conduct ourselves. The first step is learning how to adequately express what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, I have some handouts. I'm sorry, I really tried to make enough, but there was not. <laughs> and I don't even know how many people were here, so I just kind of made some uh, copies. And uh, initially when this class was asked to us, it was asked to discuss about children. So that's what this is based on. Because we gotta know where does it start? Where does it, the development or the emotional, um, what is it, it's called emotional disturbances, right. begin. Sorry, begin. And so what I want to do, I'm just going to pass out. If you get one, please take one per family, friend, what have you. If there's not enough, um, take a picture and pass it on. Um, and so why did I make this document up? It's basically just to go over some of the normal behaviors all the way from two months all the way up to 18 years. There are things that are just normal that kids go through, like infants. In two months, they cry to get their needs met and, and, and uh, occasionally uh, self-soothe. But when you get to the age where it's, uh, what is it, five to six-year-old, where you're aware of their, you know, your gender and you may prefer to play with same gender or test boundaries but are eager to please and help out, more independent as an individual, began to understand what it means to be embarrassed. These are some of the things that are normal, that we don't know, need to overreact to be like, oh, does my child have an emotional disorder? What are they doing? Like, and, 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 and making us think that we're losing our minds. But I think that we need to know the signs and the symptoms so that we can respond accurately. And so that's what the paper is. Why? Uh, because there are things called emotional disturbances. Um, as Rob mentioned, there are a lot of disorders out there, anxiety, bipolar, conduct, eating disorder, excessive compulsive, uh, psychotic disorders. We need to know what the signs and symptoms are um, for our children or even for ourselves or even for people that we're disi discipling. Um, and some of the things that are, are, that are considered as a disturbance is um, hyperactivity, which is short attention span, impulsiveness, um, aggressive or self-injurious um, behavior, acting out or fighting, um, withdrawal, <laughs> uh, not interacting socially with others, excessive fear or anxiety, immaturity, inappropriate crying, temper tantrums, poor coping skills, and learning difficulties, academically performing below grade level. Like those are things that we need to be concerned about that are considered emotional disturbances. I could go on and on, but it's, it's so much information. But I just want us to make sure that we are aware and we're not overreacting or over, you know, um, responding to just things that are normal. But we know the signs and symptoms to help us as individuals, whether we're parents, disciples, friends, and so forth. All right, so we talk about the importance of being able to express what's going on and the ability for us to actually study up on ourselves, to learn and to understand the different things that, we, that, that can be recognized with people who may have difficulty handling mental and emotional stress. The next step actually is very simple to say, but difficult to do. And it's about listening. It's about having critical listening skills. The Bible goes into great detail about this. Proverbs 18, 13 says to answer before listening is folly and shame. Sometimes we see someone not doing what we want them to do and we say, what's wrong with you? And then as they're answering, you're already thinking of the rebuke in your mind. Right, right, okay. You really don't care what you have to say because what you're doing is wrong and I'm going to rebuke you right now. The problem with this is over time, people can recognize who is listening to them and who's not. Children are masters at this. They, have all, they all have PhDs in that. They, they know exactly who is paying attention, who is listening, and who's not. We have to learn to listen, and we need to listen, uh, and listen in such a way we can gather the information. My, my third point is about responding, but I'll, I want to stick for this for a moment. Proverbs 11, 12 says, Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who, who has understanding holds their tongue. 
the importance of, you know, not just blasting somebody, but there's some thoughts we just need to keep to ourselves. Yep. <laughs> right? It, 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 it does no good to say, well, you know, such and such, they're always by themselves. Mm. You know, um, well, maybe we should go and find out why that person wants to be alone often. Uh, Bible also says in Proverbs 17, verse 27 and 28, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. It's important that we learn to listen so that we can glean the things that we've learned before, the things that are being expressed to us, the, 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 the signs of mental distress and illness, that we can hear those things so that we can respond correctly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is awesome. Um, because this is a skill that I, I, I feel like I'm still learning <laughs> as an individual and as a parent. But even with, along with listening, we need to observe. Yes. Um, and when you observe, that means I totally get the scripture where it says, be still and know that I am God. Yes. Sometimes if we just be still and we watch and observe, body language and non-communicative things will tell you more than if somebody is talking or speaking. And so obviously this is very key that we need to learn to be not only great listeners, but great observers. And again, the things that she's talking about is all those signs, uh, those, those things that, that key us in to there may be some distress here, there may be some health issues here that we need to pay more attention to. You know, the, the third point really, I mean, we could spend all day on this. Uh, is responding. How do we respond? Someone who maybe has um, the, the, I'm trying to think, got family members, uh, who has uh, psychotic or, or, or issues that, that causes them to be very angry, that causes them to have outbursts. It's this, the natural response is, well, I'm going to yell back at you. But that is not how you respond. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Point number two. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. How we respond to what is expressed is very, very key. Again, one of the things that Rob shared is we've messed up often in the years, you know. Uh, by responding to people incorrectly, and it doesn't bring the situation down, it basically blows the situation up. The yeah. Bible says in Proverbs 14, 29, whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. And so in many ways, when we respond quickly out of anger, it's showing something about us. Sometimes we think, well, I was trying to help that brother, and they made me sin. No, no, the sin was in you. It came out. That's not that person's fault. Our response is 100% our control. And so, <laughs> it's important that we give people the tools that they need. The reason why is because very often we people who have issues in this way feel very, very helpless. I have had, you know, one of my friends, one of my, one of my good friends, actually when I was in college, I'll never forget going away, he gave me um, the key to his locker that had all of his stuff. And I didn't realize that he did that because he had a plan to commit suicide. And he carried out that plan. You know, and I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of second generation in this because my mom got her bachelor's degree in, um, in, in, in psychology. And she told us, she talked to about us about this stuff growing up. So for me, I, I was actually able to grow up with the mindset, this is a real deal. This is a real thing that needs to be addressed. But learning how to respond often goes beyond ourselves. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. You don't have to feel like you have all the solutions. Praise Jesus. But it's important that we learn to get the help that we need. 
definitely this is key, and I would love to say that as a disciple, I always respond righteously. Um, but I had to learn it. I had to learn it. Uh, there are several instances, and mainly a lot of it was in campus where I was converted, where I did respond unrighteously. But it wasn't until I matured and got educated about mental health, about just emotional health, that it really helped me to understand. And so. Oftentimes when, we, when, when sin happens, because that's normally how uh, we figure out that something is going on, our natural response is humanistic to want to respond and with the scripture or whatever, but we've got to dig deeper and make sure we're asking the right questions yeah. and knowing that person enough and seeking advice, seeking lots of help. We don't need to feel like we need to fix it. Oftentimes when I responded right. the, the most unrighteous way is because I felt I took it personally and I felt it was my responsibility to fix that person. Right. It is not. It is not our responsibility. Right. We're there as just a, a friend, a confidant, a disciple, or a mentor to help guide and direct people to the right to the right path. And we've got to make sure that we're not afraid, like Rob said and Brian said, to tell a person, wow, these are the signs. Wow, I'm concerned. I love you. However, this is way above me. And I think it's that you should seek outside help or get more advice to seek professional help. Because we don't want to tell somebody the wrong thing and be responsible if they go down the wrong path. God can change everything, but we've got to make sure that we're equipped with the right tools to help people, especially if they're coming in a kingdom and we really don't know their life and their background. Yes, you know, uh, and I know there's a few others in the room that I know who dealt who deal with uh, mental health issues. It's never a righteous statement to say if you believe in Jesus enough, you should throw away your psych anti-psychotic medication. Um, if you have enough faith in God, you won't be depressed. If you can just acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, your anger issues will go away. No, that is incorrect. That's setting a person up for disaster. What's important is to know when, when, there are certain times where we need to recognize that we are out of our league. Yeah. There was a situation that we were dealing with with a, with a brother who was telling a lot, of, uh, a lot of women that he was having some mental health issues. They all felt like, oh, we feel so sorry for you, we wanna help you, and they, eventually they all, wanted to control, he, they all wanted to be in his life to help him out. And as he walked out of the kingdom, they were all walking out with him. With the mindset, but we're, we're going to help him. We want to help him. And I'll never forget, Shan sat down with him and said, let me ask you some questions. Yeah. What mental health qu classes have you taken? Yeah. How many situations have you successfully counseled? Yeah. And these young ladies are like, you are out of your league. Yeah. When do you know you're out of your league? Yes. You know, we need to look for signs when someone is, is not very expressive or when they're non-communicative. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a situation where I, I had to stop a young man at a camp who had gotten to the point where he was gonna walk off and, and hurt himself. And I had to physically stand in front of him and say, I'm not gonna let you leave this situation. There are situations where we've had to put, we place people in, in a room and they, they're like, I'm going to harm myself. And it's 911 now. Someone threads to harm himself, you are, you are out of your league. It's 911 now. Oh, I feel better now. Nope, nope, there's no reneging on this. You say it once, we're treating it like life and death. If they have feelings of emotional numbness, yeah. hopelessness, no joy, yeah. no pleasure. Yeah. I grew up in Detroit, a very rough place. I saw people shot, hurt. And I remember there was a, I went through a moment, a time in my life where I had emotional numbness. I just yeah. didn't feel anything. Yeah. It just got to the point I just couldn't do it anymore. My, my emotions just said, I'm yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. It, it took to me becoming a disciple to even learn how to cry again. Being isolated and not socializing on, um, with others, people who, who stop being themselves, uh, being unconsolable. Yeah. I'll never forget when me and Shane got fired from Detroit, there was a time in my life where I felt like I was in a cave, yeah. like when David was out in the desert. And I remember there was just a cycle of, of anger, hurt, and just, just sadness. And it just went over there. I was angry. I was hurt. I was sad. And I just, I couldn't get out of it. I felt locked. Somebody says, don't show your faith. I'm like, I want to, but bro, I don't even want to talk to me right now. <laughs> Cutting, doing self-harm, and talking or, or talking or attempting suicide. Um, all these things are definitely key. Um, and so we definitely need to make sure that we definitely get help. 
How do we know when to get help? Is with the people that are in our lives. We need much, much accountability. That's another way that you respond, making sure that you are not isolating yourself or allowing people to isolate themselves. Get someone who's close to you, who knows you, who knows your character, who knows your behavior, and knows not to leave you alone, and who is going to uh, encourage you to do the right thing rather than um, let you do whatever you want. That's a very dangerous place to be in. Our last point before we can do some Q&A here is about forgiveness. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has any grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know, when dealing with this situation, there's two people that we need to forgive. When we can easily be offended by people who have difficulty managing their emotional distress. Um, it, it is a, like, just like Rob said. It is, a, it is a product that actually goes throughout the house and affects everyone. Um, and understanding to forgive someone can be very difficult because we can take people's misbehavior very, very personally. Sometimes it's even aimed right at us. Uh, but understanding that forgiveness is for you. When we bottle things up, it hurts us. We don't hurt a person when we say, "I'm not forgiving you." You're hurting yourself. Yes. But also. The importance of learning to forgive ourselves. Yeah. You know, if we are, if we have been privy uh, to these different issues, emotional difficulties, and we've hurt other people, it's important that we also learn to forgive ourselves. Yeah. To know that under the foot, at the foot of the cross, everything is even, yeah. and that God is eager to want to forgive and accept us. Amen. Uh, so with that, I want to conclude because I don't want to keep talking. I want to us to have. I just wanted to mention some good books that are were great resources for me. This is a. Uh, a DPI or IPI. I don't know if it's still in print, but this is one book that was good. It's called Rejoice Always by Michael um, Shapiro and Dr. Mary Shapiro. They're really, really great counselors. Um, so if you can get a hold of that, just to read it, just to kind of get your um, knowledge increased in that area, that would be great because it talks about emotional challenges. And this is one that I just found that is a key. It's called The Freedom from Depression Workbook um, by Lester Carter, PhD, and Franklin... Um, Minareth. Um, so those, and obviously there's tools in here, just lots of questions and so forth. That'll be a great resource as well. Amen. So we'll just give an opportunity for some Q&A. So let me just say this first. Uh, we gave a lot of information. We asked for a bigger room with a PowerPoint. They said no, so we're in here. And... We want to give you guys our maybe our email address so that you can we can email you our notes, things we talked about today, and any other direction or resources. There are resources available. I just want to say that there are resources available.